0: to another episode of Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Verbert, and with me again, after the past few weeks, is Matt Quest. Hey, everybody! The prodigal son has returned.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and then we have some very special, awesome guests today, since this is our 50th episode. Returning are Justin Vector,
1: yeah.
0: Matt Hardiman, Woo. John Huber. Hello! And then special pre-recorded segments are coming from phil shenton from across the pond in the uk and from stanford clark without further ado if you guys haven't listened to our our podcast before podcast because it is on the the world of animation each episode we feature an animated series or film from the past to present whether it's traditionally hand-drawn computer generated or stop motion if it's animated it is up for discussion with us we'll be back in a few seconds with our new releases for this week This week? Uh, The the first few I'm going to talk about are are Disney Blu-rays that are coming out on the 6th. I know uh, Hardman got a chance to get get to look at these as well. Uh, And the the first one is my favorite. I'm going to go around and let everybody talk about the films if you've seen them. Uh, Sword in the Stone has finally come out on Blu-ray and it it looks awesome. All of these are part of like the Xerox era that we talked, I think, about way back in episode 18 or, or 19 with Ralph, and it it looks really good. Um, Hardman, what did, you, what did you think about the Blu-ray?
2: For having not seen them in forever, I was kind of blown away how good they look, because, you know, with them not being like diamond or platinum editions, you know, sometimes I feel like Disney kind of turns them out, but it actually turned out amazing. Like, all three of them just look incredible. I was especially impressed with Oliver and company, because I feel like that one was sort of like a transition movie for Disney yeah. from when they were given up on animation to the computer world and kind of was a throwaway, but it even it looks amazing.
0: Definitely. They kind of, like, redid the packaging on these, too, because pretty much since they've been putting Blu-rays out, it's kind of been, like, a uniform packaging on the back, but with Robin Hood, uh, Oliver and & Company, and Sword in the Stone, they kind of redid, like, their box, I guess, on the back that, that has, like, their bonus features in it. Uh, and then... Sword in the Stone, which was nice, at least with these three releases, unlike uh, Lilo and Stitch and The Emperor's New Group, Blu-rays we got back a few months ago that didn't have any bonus features on the Blu-ray themselves. There are actually Blu-rays. I mean, bonus features on these Blu-rays. <laughs> Blu-rays, on Blu-rays. There's Blu-rays on these Blu-rays. There's the Blu-ray. Blu-rays on these Blu-rays. Blu-rays on Blu-rays on Blu-rays. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a never-before-seen alternate opening where Wart met Merlin, which is kind of basically, it just... Gets you to the point where they meet quicker in the story than it does in the actual film itself. Uh, there's the music magic with the Sherman Brothers because this is, I believe, the, the first film that they worked on for Disney. I believe that that special feature was shot for when the, they did the DVD many years back. It was in standard definition, but and then also Robert was still alive. They were talking about like h- how they came up with music for the film and how for that film there wasn't really score to accompany their music, so they always thought it didn't kind of fit into the film as well as it should have. As they went on with later films, they said that like how Walt Disney was kind of their major backer and would, uh, would help to get that like through like Mary Poppins, like you would hear like spoonful of sugar and whatnot in the score, in the background. Whereas like in this, you didn't hear that. Uh, they're just sing along with the movie. So for all you guys that want to sing, it's too bad we Stanford on, you could, this so little pre-recorded segment, we'll have him sing that, so. <laughs> Uh, and then there's two bonus shorts on there. There's a night for a day and then the brave little tailor. The brave little tailor is one of the, like, the standout kind of classic shorts from Disney, too, so... Definitely worth checking those out, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff on there. And there also comes with a digital copy and a DVD. What are your guys' memories of Sword in the Stone?
1: I remember it was a really long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of those I watched, you know, at my grandparents' house on VHS. So the quality back then, I'll probably watch it again now on Blu ray and totally crap myself. <laughs> so. Um, I'm excited to see this in Blu-ray and I'll probably, it'll probably be like watching it again for the first time because I, it was so long ago that I saw this. So I'm excited for that. Kind of like what Matt said. I mean,
3: I've seen it. I really enjoyed it, but it was a long time ago. Not like Robin Hood, which I'll have a lot more to speak on since it's one of my favorite Disney movies, but I'm interested to see how, how it looks on Blu-ray, how the, uh, the color transference, how, you know, how it, how it made it look because those movies, they were already kind of getting um, kind of bland with the color, and if they were able to pop those colors off on the on the Blu-ray, I'm really looking forward to seeing how well they look aesthetically. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I can't really speak on it. It's been so long. I've seen it a couple of times when I was a kid, um, but Robin Hood I can definitely speak on.
4: It's also been a while for me on Robin Hood, but I saw it uh, maybe a year ago, and the thing that stood out to me was the wizard battle, the wizard fight where they were uh, changing each other into different animals that one for me there's a lot of color in that and when i was a kid i remember just that standing out to me more than anything else of that that fantasy element of it kind of the
1: well, I don't remember that in Robin Hood at all. What? I thought you we were talking about Sword in the Stone.
0: We are talking about Sword yeah, But you said Robin Hood. You
1: said Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
4: and by Robin Hood, I mean Sword in the Stone.
0: Anyways,
1: but just
4: se- imagine if in Robin Hood there was a wizard battle, and there was a chicken and a fox, and they were turning <laughs> each other into other things.
0: So, so going from that, segueing to Robin Hood. Uh, starring Blue as Little John. I, I always remember when I was a kid, I always thought Blue was Little John in this movie just because it is the same, same actor doing the voice, and he's a bear. So, I mean, I guess if you're a kid, that would be a logical outcome you would come to. But, yeah, I, I watched this again last week with Patrick and he really enjoyed it. He, he liked all of these a lot. The little opening music sequence that was, that was pretty awesome. I forgot about that. I forgot how much I had liked Robin Hood. The, this was Digital Restore 2, and it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. Uh, there's a deleted storyline of, of uh, Prince John writing love letters to both Maid Marian and Robin Hood from each other that was in the film. There's an alternate ending that shows more of King John returning uh, there's an art gallery storybook. Uh, there's Sing Along again with the movie. Uta Lali, Sing Along. And then there's a Ye Olden Days cartoon starring Mickey Mouse. And this one also comes with a digital copy and a DVD, too.
4: Mark, how could you forget Robin Hood? This was one of my favorite Disney movies growing up. We used to dance and sing, and I used to want to be Robin Hood as a kid, and I wanted to get... The girl fox and I wanted to be a fox and it was the best of times.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, does anyone else have anything to say about Robin Hood? Otherwise, I'm going to go on to
3: Oliver and Company. I do definitely. All right, go. Robin Hood is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. I love Phil Harris's Little John. All voice acting starts and ends with Phil Harris as Little John and Baloo. But, yeah. um, and Mark, I just heard you as you were, you know, just off the hand singing the little ditty. Um, there's not a day goes by that I don't either hum, whistle, or sing that little ditty. Um, I'm 40 years old. And this is one of my... F- I can sit down and watch this anytime. time. This and House Wonderland um, and Lion Lanking being more I have to watch a little bit deeper, but Alice in Wonderland and Robin Hood, when they're on, I can stop and watch at any time. I'm really looking forward to this this Blu-ray release. I don't tend to go out day one and buy Disney Blu-rays. Um, I think they're a little bit more expensive than others, but this is one that uh, the exception will be made. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: From that, we're going to go to Oliver & Company uh, that's coming out. These are all coming out on August 6th, by the way. Just like the other two looks great on Blu-ray, uh, it's got two bonus shorts on there, Linda Paw an Academy Award-winning animated short, and then there's Puss Cafe. Uh, there's a sing-along mode again, and there's a bonus feature about Disney's animated animals and a making of the film, too. I, I remember I enjoyed this that film a lot as a kid, too. Uh, I even had, like, a stuffed Oliver that I still have for some reason. Gave it to Patrick. That shows how quality that stuffed animal was, at least back then from Disney Store, <laughs> when, when it's, like, still in, like, perfect condition, like, almost 20 Eight years later, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed that film a lot. Is does anyone else want to talk on Oliver and Company? No. It's a cat. How could it not be awesome? With with that, uh, we're gonna talk about Magic School Bus really quick. We're gonna talk about Magic School Bus now from Cynodime and the the new DVDs that they had come out were in a pickle, under construction, getting energized, and cracks a yoke. Uh, they have ton of episodes from the show on there. Uh, and I remember was watching this show as a kid, and it was, it was like another one of those fun shows that were on when most of us were kids that was a fun way to explain different scientific things, like we had Bill Nye and then we had that, and it was, an, it was a nice thing to watch that was entertaining and also helped you learn about different aspects of science. So I, I've had Patrick watch some of these now, and he enjoys them, so I'm glad that they're releasing these so that... New generations of kids can also be taught by Miss Frizzle. Do you guys want to talk on Magic School Bus at all?
4: i fan of the Magic School Bus books before the cartoon oh, yeah. show, and they still have those around as well. So uh, those were always fun. Those and the Choose Your Own Adventure books were my favorite growing up. Yeah.
0: You still read the Read Your Own Adventure with, yeah, the, with right Adventure this Time. Morning. Those are our new releases for the week, and we'll be back in a few seconds with our news. Hoody
5: lolly, hoody lolly golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger in the water they were drinking they just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse was a watching them and gathering around
3: Back with our news this week Yeah, the uh, 2013 SIGGRAPH um, convention in Anaheim um, There was a, a keynote given by a panel of who's who, of animation people, DreamWorks' Chris Sanders, um, Kevin Lima, Mike Mitchell, Pixar's Pete Docter, Disney's Ron Clements, and Kirk Wise, and uh, Henry Selick, the director of Nightmare for Christmas, James Giant Peach, Coraline. During his, his speech, he was talking about how it's difficult now um, to make, or it's, it's difficult to be working in, in an industry where the, the tentpole blockbuster is what's driving everything. And uh, he's talking about that the, there's great, and there's great challenge in trying to come up with the next um, Despicable Me too. something that's going to churn out a you know, quarter of a billion dollars. Um, it's really hurting um, IPs, and that 2D animation um, you know, is, is getting hurt more and more as 3D becomes his king. And um, it's pretty interesting to, to know what he's talking about. The, the, the biggest quote was he, he says he couldn't imagine a, a Fantasian being made today and Fantasia is arguably one of the greatest pieces of art that Disney ever put together. Art meaning you know, visual and sound. Um, however you feel about it, it's still a spectacle. Right. And uh, if you think about it, not being able, if, if animators and creators can't make or even venture out to try to create something as magical as Fantasia today, it is kind of shocking. And uh, to have a, one of the industry's you know most respected people come up and say that in front of all of his peers is... Uh, it begs to be noticed, I and mean, you know, it, uh, it's kind of shocking, if you will. Definitely,
0: especially with like what he's had to go through with making his next film, like going from studio to studio and trying to get it made with all with all the films he's already done. It kind of thinks that he's supposed to go through all that with each new movie that he creates. So, uh, yeah, you would think that just, I was just
2: saying you would think that you know, being able to throw around that you directed the man before Christmas, people would be like, okay, cool, we'll back
0: you. <laughs> yeah Especially like when he originally, with the film he's doing right now, was going to do it with Disney. And then they were like, oh, no, never mind. I guess we'll see what comes from it. Uh, kind of segueing from there, also at Sig- Sigraph, what like you said, was Pete Doctor. And he talked a little bit about his next film from Pixar, Inside Out. He was talking about how the film required creating two simultaneous stories one that centered on the girl, and the other about what is happening inside her mind. They said it was, was, one story is hard enough, this is two stories that need to talk to each other. So when he was talking about the animation, he was saying the characters are created with this energy because we were trying to represent what emotions would look like. They're made of, of particles that actually move instead of being skin and solid. It is a massive collection of energy. It's a lot of fun, really takes advantage of what animation can do. So just getting that description of what, like, the kind of the emotional characters are going to look like in that film i'm getting more excited for inside out just to see what pixar does with that film anyone else excited for that
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's all that needs to be said uh and last time john was on we talked about simpson's crossover with with family guy and now, this is apparently 2014 is apparently going to be the year of the Simpsons crossover because now the Simpsons are going to crossover with Futurama in a coming up uh, yeah episode coming up next year, and uh, I guess it'll either be the season finale or the season premiere, so I guess whichever one the the Family Guy one is, this will be the other one, so. And this I believe this will be after Futurama ends its its run on T V so it'll be kinda nice to get one more Futurama episode. And and the fact that he's created both of of these shows, he'll be able to have a little bit more fun, I guess, with it than just the the family guy and Simpsons Crossover. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean it will be interesting to see how that turns out. I'm excited for it. But um Kind of a tangent off of that, uh, I was at uh, Universal Orlando this past week, Oh yeah. and I got to go to Simpsons Land, so that was pretty sweet. I'll probably have something up on the website soon uh, with some pictures, and uh, I visited uh, Krusty Burger, and I had myself a clogger, nice. so it was pretty awesome. But yeah, Simpsons Futurama crossover, can't wait.
0: Did you have a Duff Beer as well?
1: Duff Beer was actually still being built. And I have pictures of that. They had, like, a wall through Simpsons Land, and half of it was built, and half of it was still under construction.
0: Well, you better have at least got a Butterbeer at Harry Potter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was another $125 if you want to go to that park. Jeez.
0: I thought they were at the same one.
1: There's two parks at Orlando. There's, like, the Islands of Adventure and the uh, Orlando, or Universal, and it's like 125 bucks if oh, you geez. want to go into either yeah. one.
2: Yeah, literally at the same place, but you have to yeah. pay to go to both.
1: Yeah, there's it's like there's a wall <laughs> you can't <laughs> like. It sucks, but I got to see the new Transformers ride too, which was amazing. So I will have to talk about that later on too. Uh,
0: go from going from that. I know J- John's gonna want to talk about this too. The the logo and concept art were revealed for the new Star Wars Rebels. Series, And I'm really excited about this because it's basically the same group of guys that did Star Wars, the Clone Wars series, which kind of is ending prematurely just so that that they can do the show. But I'm glad that it's the same guys, so maybe they can kind of work in a little bit of the storylines they wanted to do with Clone Wars that they weren't able to wrap up in a sixth season and throw them into this. But this takes place in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, and some of the of the art they revealed it looks pretty cool. You can see stuff that resembles Tie Fighters. There's like a storyboard that shows a Tie Fighter crashing into like the side of a hill, like a I don't know what planet that is. Maybe it's one that we haven't seen before, but it's like a very grassy planet. Uh, and then there's there's another shot in space which with like a, a ship that somewhat looks like like a design that's close to the Millennium Falcon, but it's not, obviously, the Millennium Falcon. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for this show, and I know that John probably is as well. What do, what do you guys think about, and are, what are you anticipating from Star Wars Rebels?
3: I'm still smarting over the fact that Clone Wars just ended, like, just stopped um, without any kind of wrap-up. And, yeah, they're showing those little snippets here or there. Um, and because of that, to be completely honest with you, as much as I'm looking forward to this, I'm also kind of fearing this because I don't want to get emotionally invested into something that that's going to be treated the same way, where, oh, we just don't need it anymore, then to just stop it without any kind of resolution. Um, I'd still like them to announce maybe a two-hour Clone Wars finale leading up to Episode 3 before they launch something that you know moves the story ahead. Yeah. Essentially, it would be three three years from that point. Or actually, at the point at the end of Clone Wars, maybe two years um that being said um it, it, i'm glad we're seeing some of the the more um iconic images the tie fighters um ghost that ship it uh it looks more like dash Rendar's ship um than it does the falcon but uh um, and that, p- made, that main piece of art that they announced or they released it also that one ship looks kind of like up the enterprise um oh, yeah. something yeah. of interested in what kind of ship that is so um i mean as much as i sit here and naysay say and you know question whether they're going to end it and you know be the poopy sit on my hand fan um I'm, I'm looking forward to it um i'll buy the action figures i'm, I'm, I'm that guy so um <laughs> i mean it's yeah looking forward to it dave filoni please please have an end game in place if they say it's going to be five years wrap it up in five years and don't drag it on that's all i need to say
0: Anyone else have anything?
2: I'm personally just excited that uh, the art looks like it's based on uh, McQuarrie's uh, sketch work Um, from the the storyboard and that promo uh, image, both of them reflect his art style, so if the show ends up looking like that, then even if it's terrible, I'll I'll enjoy looking at it (laughs) I've always been a big fan of his artwork, not not to not to be like John because he might have a lot more, but I only have a few Star Wars figures. But it's the ones that are based off of uh, McQuarrie sketches, and uh, just a big fan. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Uh, and then the next thing we're just touch on briefly is that Disney has renewed the Ultimate Spider-Man TV series, and Gravity Falls. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man for a third season, Gravity Falls for a second season. Uh, those are. Two highly successful shows. Uh, we've, we've interviewed Drake Bell on the show way back during the first season. And I guess in this third season, Spider Man's going to join the Avengers. So we'll see how that, how, like, what comes from that. Because now that Man of Action is working on both uh, this Ultimate Spider Man show and the Avengers Assemble series that are on, on Disney's Marvel Universe thing that they have, I'm wondering if those universes are going to cross over with that and if, like, each show will go from, you know, You know what I mean? But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then Gravity Falls, I've only still been able to watch the season premiere of the first season. But I I do want to sit down at some point and watch all the episodes because I've heard how good it is. And I liked what I saw in that first episode. So I'm really looking forward to what's coming up from that show as well. Uh, And the next bit is that D23 is going to be happening at the end of this week from the 9th to the 11th. Uh, Stanford is definitely going at at this point. Justin and I might be going. Uh, we'll know within the next day or so if we, we are or not. Uh, but really looking forward to this either way, even if I don't get to, to go there. But there's uh, John Lasseter is going to be hosting the Art and Imagination Animation at the Walt Disney Studios presentation that they're doing there, where they're going to be talking heavily about Frozen and Planes. And they're probably going to do with like a special screening of Planes with the director, uh, Clay Hall and Dane Cook there. And then uh, they're doing a special panel on August 10th, um, talk about the art of Disney's Frozen. And then also on Saturday, there's going to be Art of the Good Dinosaur, which is going to be like pretty much like the first big look at that film. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, they're going to have a panel about Toy Story of Terror and the motivation behind Pixar's short film content. So there's gonna be a lot of Pixar content here. There's Pixar doing her homework, talking about the research that they do on each of their films, and then there's a woman of Pixar, uh just talking about all the female characters like Jesse, Dory, Sally, Merida and how And I, I like I I like how they they described this panel, so it almost it definitely negates that, that guy's uh Pixar theory. It says although they never cross paths and exist in different worlds so I think, uh, there you go, Pixar Theory Guy. There, Now your theory is completely debunked just from that. Uh, and then also there's just uh, there's a D23 app you can download, so if you're going to be attending, definitely download that so you can check out all the panels and check out all the other cool stuff they're going to have there. Like I saw they're going to have like this kind of 4D, and Justin, it's a good thing that we know how to think fourth dimensionally and don't have a real problem with that. Woo! There you go. Back to the Future reference, because <laughs> uh, they're gonna have a a Phineas and Ferb uh, waffle nator, where if if we get to go, I get to have some waffles, which is awesome. But I, I guess yeah. it's like this this Doctor Doofenshmirtz <laughs> contraption that he made that like shoots waffles out, and it's partly real and then partly like video game based. So I'm interested to see exactly what's what that is, but it will definitely be having some coverage from D23 if anything, from Stanford, so look for that on the site upcoming, too. And then the last bit of news is just uh, some Blu-rays that are going to be coming out this year. Uh, The Croods is going to be coming out October 1st. Uh, Mary Poppins is finally coming out on Blu-ray on December 10th. And then Jungle Book is coming out in the spring of 2014, and then we get Sleeping Beauty on Blu-ray again, although in a Diamond Edition this time. In the fall of 2014, which means
3: we still do not
0: get Aladdin on Blu-ray.
3: Real, real quick, is the uh, the recent Sword and Stone, Robin Hood, and Oliver are those uh, Diamond editions? No, those
0: are, those are just like their the anniversary edition things. Really, just okay. put them out and don't have that many bonus features on there, but I have still have a few. What do you, what do you, are you guys excited about any of these Blu-rays coming out? Or are you going to be picking them up? Or are you disappointed that we still haven't gotten Aladdin announced? Um, yeah, lead. definitely what the uh, heck? Jungle Book.
2: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> absolutely. Gosh. Especially since, like, we talked earlier, like, uh, since I missed the UK, the UK one, uh, the Steelbook for it. it's already there. And you know, all the UK, all the Disney releases are region free. So if you wanted to, you could buy the UK one.
0: Yeah, I know the minute yeah. I buy it, then they'll finally announce it. That, that's how it works.
2: <laughs> then you should buy it. So,
0: the <laughs> so we can all
3: get it. Yeah.
0: Take, we'll, we'll just have to ask yeah. Phil how awesome it looks on Blu-ray. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see Jungle Book on Blu-ray, and Mary Poppins especially, because I, I, I kind of figured Mary Poppins was coming this year, to what was Saving Mr. Banks coming out in December, and it comes out, I, th- I think, December. Yeah, it comes out like about a week before Saving Mr. Banks. So I'm definitely excited about all these except that we're getting Sleeping Beauty again on Blu-ray and see we're getting A Nightmare Before Christmas uh, on Blu-ray again in September. So that movie's been released 3 times on Blu-ray. But they still haven't released Aladdin on Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm gonna I going to be that one. Yeah, I'm gonna be bitter until Aladdin comes out on Blu-ray in the US. That's all I'm gonna say. Cuz I mean, instead of releasing Sleeping Beauty again, let's let's release Aladdin. Let's release 101 Dalmatians. Let's release Hercules. Let's release Tarzan. And then you can do a, d- a bunch of double features of the films between Saludos Amigos and Ichabod and Mr. Toad because those are all kind of films you can do double features for. Saludos Amigos, Three Caballeros can be on one movie. Uh, Make Mine Music and Melody Time can be on one, and then Fun and Fancy Free and Ichabod and Mr. Toad can all be on one. So, Disney, listen to what I say. Put out those Blu-rays. And then you can re-release the ones you've already put out. But Sleeping Beauty coming out because Maleficent is coming out on the live action film in theaters next summer so obviously they wanted to tie into that so uh, I guess we'll just wait a little bit longer for Aladdin on Blu-ray <laughs> mm-hmm. but with that we'll be back in a few seconds with our trailers <laughs> And we're back with our new trailers for the week. The first one we're going to talk about is the Wind Rises. And Matt Quest is our, our huge Studio Ghibli fan. What did you what did you think about the trailer?
1: Yes. Uh Studio Ghibli, awesome. Always awesome. The detail um, that they put into every movie that they make is outrageous. You know, the landscapes that they paint and their backgrounds, it's just, it's great. And, you know, and Miyazaki's actually directing this one, The Wind Rises, um, and I'm pretty darn excited for that. I can't wait to see uh, what he has in store for us. The trailer is four-minute trailer, and, you know, just the you know cinematography that they have in the animation the shots the you know everything like that is just awesome coming out of this studio so i'm very excited for uh this movie to come out and uh i expect big things
0: hardman was saying he, he looks forward to crying the entire time he watches the movie yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> You
2: yeah, mean that earthquake that earthquake scene happens and i was like oh man uh, yeah I, I can feel the
0: waterworks coming already definitely
1: Definitely huge emotional films from Studio Ghibli.
0: Uh, Justin or John, are you guys looking forward to it?
3: I haven't seen oh, it. Oh yeah, I've been out of town. Sorry.
0: That's alright. Uh, yeah, I mean, from the, for some reason the trailer wouldn't play for me because I kept trying to play, and YouTube was like, "Nope, you don't get to watch this." But from some of the, I I saw some of the stills they released from it, and those look great. And I'm just excited for the the movie off of that. So, plus anything that they they release is gonna is gonna be awesome. So it's just uh, I consider Studio Ghibli in the, in the same kind of family of Pixar where they can't really do any wrong, <laughs> at least in my eyes. So yeah, uh, the next one Rio the Rio Two teaser is it's pretty much the same teaser we've seen before, but they added this little snippet at the beginning where uh or this this animal is is singing and it gets eaten and continues to sing inside of the the jaguar that ate it. So uh it's I mean and then it goes into the teaser we've already seen. So I mean I'm I'm looking forward to to Rio 2 to and seeing what they do with it exactly. Uh how about how about you, Justin?
4: Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it more than
1: you, Bibbert. All right, whatever.
0: Well look at that. Take that. <laughs> How about you, uh, Quest?
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll see. <laughs> because it's—I mean, I, yeah, I can tell in everyone's voice they're like, "I can't wait for," it. so it's—I don't know. We'll see. I mean, yep. it's, pro- it's probably going to be great. It's probably going to be good, but we will see. Definitely. Uh,
0: and then the next one isn't really a trailer more. Is it's the opening titles for a new Disney XD show uh, called Wander Over Yonder. And Jack McBrayer is doing the voice of, of Yonder in, in the, the show. And I, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, it's from Craig McCracken, you know, the guy... Responsible for Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Uh, And we actually posted this story, and Mark Walsh, uh, uh, the director from Pixar who did Party Stories Rex, actually retweeted it. So that was pretty cool, and he was talking about how he's looking forward to it. And it's actually premiering on Friday, August 16th, after the Phineas and Ferb Mission Marvel special. And then it starts its regular run on Disney Channel on Friday, September 13th. And I, there's, I want to say there's, there's this 41 second sequence has 62 unique backgrounds to it. So definitely check this out. It looks great in HD if you watch it on YouTube with that. And I would highly suggest watching it. But with that, okay. we're going to get... I would also suggest checking uh, the band out too. What'd you say? So,
2: sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that's what I didn't hear what you said. I was going to say, not only uh, the cartoon, but the band that does the uh, theme song, the Two Man Gentleman Band. I was just going to give a little shout out to okay. them that people should definitely check those guys out. Awesome dudes, and just doing music or pass across a few times, so definitely give those guys a listen. I enjoy them greatly.
0: Uh, so with that, we'll be back in a few seconds with our recommendations.
5: Hey, Digimon, hey, Digimon. To the boys and girls. Hey, Digimon, hey, Digimon. Champions of the
0: All right, back with our recommendations for the week. Uh, My recommendation this week is actually the Digimon animated series from way back when I was a kid. Uh, Actually, it's got a few of the DVDs uh, the other day, but actually, since I got the DVDs finally, of course, two days ago I checked, and now they're on Netflix Instant. (laughs) That's that's how it goes. Uh, But, yeah, they have Season 1 and Season 2 of Digimon on there. and then they actually have like the original undubbed version on there too. So if you want to be a purist and watch the, the show the way it was originally aired, watch it. You can watch it that way. And I believe there's subtitles on. I haven't watched that version, but and then there's the dubbed version that was played in the U.S. Uh, and this was kind of like the the anti-Pokemon at the same time Pokemon was going on. Uh, I mean, I think I ended up liking this show more because. I don't know, like they. Had, I think that there was better writing on the show at that point, and I'm gonna try to introduce Patrick to it and see how much he enjoys it as well. So, I would, I would definitely suggest checking out Digimon. And have did any of you ever watch Digimon when it was on?
3: Oh yeah, I I beg to differ on the uh, better than Pokemon. Oh Pokemon, dang! Really good story. Fight Pokemon versus Digimon. You don't have to choose one or the other. Both games are great. those series were great in their own ways
0: what I thought was cool about Digimon for season 1 and 2 was that that was like it's own contained kind of story and they had that movie that was in between those and then season 3 kind of turned that on its head and was like oh those first two seasons were a TV show and then this season takes place in the quote unquote real world that those kids were watching that TV show too so I thought that was interesting how they kind of like changed up the dynamic in the third season of the show so Definitely, if you have not seen Digimon yet and you have Netflix Instant, go check it out now. It's on Netflix. Uh, From there, I'm going to throw it over to Matt Quest for his recommendation for the week.
1: Hey, okay. So, my recommendation for the week. um, Everyone kind of knows about the DJI Phantom stuff that I've been doing lately. Um, And the video... Uh, that I put out that Mark actually recommended last week, the Niagara Falls video, uh, I actually submitted to a contest on mine. And uh, the results came in uh, last week. I placed in the top ten, so I did win a free DJI Phantom, which is awesome. Nice. Nice. Yep. Thank you guys for all voting. Um, and then uh, the top three was actually picked by the DJI staff. And my recommendation for the week is actually one of the top three um, uh, submissions, which is called Artificial Agent, and uh, it's really cool. I'm, you know, glad this was in the top three because it's uh, it combines, you know, what I like to do with the Phantom and like CG animation. Yeah. So it's really awesome. You know, the music works for it. The editing's great, and. Uh, You know, it was picked as their grand one of their three grand prizes. And I was I was I was happy that this one, but when they did announce the top three, they actually mentioned my video as a first honorable mention, and they said that it was a very hard decision between my video and another one for the top three. So I was kind of bummed about that, but I was still happy I made the top ten. And definitely check out this video, Artificial Agent. What did you guys think about it?
0: I thought it was cool. I like, like you were saying, the, the mixture of the, the CG with it and how it, how it had, like, that kind of cool kind of, I don't know, like, some spy game kind of thing going on with, like, the, the heads-up display that they had going on with the, the helicopter. And I, I like the cinematography in it, too. Like, the lighting and whatnot looked cool. Yeah,
1: it's very cool. I mean, the... The way that it was it was put together, I mean, the guy who, uh, Matt Lawrence, I think, who uh, created this, he, you know, he works for a studio. So, I mean, he has all the skills to put something like this together, which is just, it's awesome, totally cool.
0: Tell everybody how, how many views your, your video got.
1: <laughs> but it, well, it got picked up. It was funny because I originally submitted my video to the contest, just threw it on YouTube, you know, shared it on Facebook. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'll probably get a couple thousand views, maybe a couple – couple hundred likes and then all of a sudden you know it starts getting picked up on the Gizmodo and I'm like what is this and then it got picked up by Huffington Post CBS MSN video and c- currently my Niagara Falls video has 9 hundred and twenty nine thousand views on <laughs> on YouTube so I and that's that was a little less than three weeks ago so in three weeks it's gotten nine hundred about 30,000 views. That's crazy. So, and, it's, and it's probably way more than that because the video's been ripped off. Every day I go on the Internet oh, and man. someone's ripped it off and posted it. Like the Italians, there's like two major Italian newspaper, like Internet sites that ripped it off, and they both have like a couple hundred thousand views on it. So They happen
0: to the live-action Toy Story guys too.
1: Yeah, so it's just one of those things where people like want to jump in on your – success i guess and yeah. but uh, it's pretty cool it went all over the world my grandfather emailed uh like his relatives in germany and they're like oh yeah we saw that already it's <laughs> like what so it's pretty cool
0: anybody else want to talk about matt's recommendation i thought it was pretty awesome the way that the when it opens
2: you know you see the um, oh god what are they called? <laughs> the dgi phantoms like you see them flying but then like that first one like you know, it's obviously an effect but the way that the the weapon part of it or whatever opens up it's almost it's almost like seamless like it was CG the CG effects and were pretty impressive
1: yeah it was very um, well done
2: I feel like the music is a little overbearing like I can I kind of feel like they could have pulled that back and maybe made like I don't know a little bit of a, of a, a different approach but but that'd be my only drive I feel, I feel yeah. like all the rest of it was pretty impressive
1: yeah actually if you go on Facebook go look up the DJI Phantom uh, facebook page you can see where they announce the winners and you can go through and look at everyone's comments about the top three and there's there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of good comments on there if you want to browse through that and i you know suggest people to go out and check that out too just to see everyone's opinion on the top three and even my video on there so it was pretty interesting to read all those
3: right on
0: very cool uh from that we're gonna go to john's
3: recommendation um, well, first, let me say congratulations, Matt. For your success—that uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Just Thank you. Um, my recommendation is a book. Um, it's called *A Grim Awakening*. The Forest of Hollow. Um, the author is Chantel Remington. Um, it's a young adult book uh, about a 13-year-old boy who basically is hated by everybody he comes across. He doesn't know why. Uh, the only person that, you know cares about him is his mother, and then one day she disappears. And uh, she's thought to be dead, and his dad tells the boy that uh, he blames him for her disappearance and says that, you know, he needs to run or he'll kill, or the father will kill him. And so it sets off this journey, um, you know, almost like Lion King. But this kid goes off and has to team up with uh, a bunch of people that he wouldn't team up with, including a bully who's, who's punked him his entire life um, to unravel what happened to his mother. And he finds this uh, deep, dark secret that his family is... Uh, um, his destiny and his the way his family is tied into like all of history. And it's, it's an amazing read. Um, a lot of people have commented on, on, uh, Amazon. That it's a great book. Um, I do have to say in disclosure that I was the editor on this book, but, uh, it, it nice. I need to just talk about how it, it's, it needs to be read. It, it's, it's the best book I've ever edited. It came in clean. Um, I left it cleaner than I found it, but, uh, Chantel is an amazing storyteller. I highly recommend it to anybody who likes a good adventure. Um, it's more, it's, it, when you have a, a male lead YA adult, YA book, people automatically think it's Harry Potter. It's not Harry Potter. It's not Percy Jackson. It's a whole different take on all of that. Um, it's got some great, new, interesting ideas. Um, and it's the first part of a series. I highly recommend it. Again, it's called A Grim Awakening, The Forest Apollo. It's the first of, a I think, four-book series, and uh, the author is Chantel Remington.
0: Very cool. And we'll, we'll put a link to that through, because we actually have an Amazon affiliate now, so if you guys buy stuff through that, it'll help support the podcast. So we'll, we'll put a, a link to, to that, because you said it was an ebook, right? It, it is on, in the Kindle store, yes. Cool. Uh, uh, so definitely want to check that out, that sounds pretty cool. Going from there, we're going to... Go to Hardiman's recommendation for this week.
2: My recommendation is it's an upcoming uh, animated film from Korea um, called The Customized Play. Still still in the process of being made but hopefully um, from what I've read they're hoping it'll be done within the year. It's about two brothers who find this uh, drama company that makes customized plays depending on the client and they hire this company to make a play for their father who's about to have his 70th birthday and with the people who make the play, the way they created is interviewing the the subject themselves and people in their lives and they present this play for their father who gets to experience the truths and the fictions of his whole life and realizes something deep down that's haunted him his whole life just from the trailer you know obviously i, I sadly don't speak the language but uh, the trailer itself works as just a, a beautiful little short film all on its own and even more impressively there's only five to six people working on this film Wow. Um, oh. And for the overall depth and talent that's on display, you know, it, it, it amazes me. So yeah, uh, hopefully uh, it comes out in Korea soon, and, and then we get it soon as well.
0: <laughs> awesome. Looking forward to checking that out. Looks like uh, you're saying as as a visual thing just by itself for, for the trailer, it looked pretty awesome. So I will definitely check that out too when it comes out.
1: Yeah, I saw. I mean, I watched the whole trailer through. I didn't understand a single word they were <laughs> saying. <laughs> but it was just truly like a visual impact of like piece. So I, I'm and I was really impressed with how you just said there's how many people working on that because it looks like it took like a team of people to create such like awesome imagery.
0: And from there, we're gonna go to Justin's recommendation.
4: The latest DC animated film came out recently, it's called The Flashpoint Paradox or Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox because. DC and Warner Brothers cannot put out a title that's not has either Superman, Batman, or Justice League in the title. They couldn't just leave it Flashpoint because apparently <laughs> the Flash is not a cool enough character to get his own movie. But anyways, the Flashpoint paradox was a fantastic film. I really enjoyed the story that it was based on, uh, just called Flashpoint, where uh, the Flash is a central character and he goes back in time and alters one detail and the butterfly effect ends up changing the entire universe uh everything that we know from the dc universe gets altered changed um batman is instead of being bruce wayne batman is thomas wayne his dad and so ripples like that everyone has changed every character is different um aquaman and wonder woman are having a war that's tearing the planet apart. Um, so Flash, once he gets into this alternate universe, he has to then go back and change, you know, uh, alter that or fix what he altered in order to get it back to uh, the, the regular DC universe, which actually leads into the new 52, uh, which is the current status quo in the DC universe where everything is altered and changed, uh, kind of a reboot for the entire DC universe. So I really enjoyed... Flashpoint. It has a lot of uh, good voice actors in it. Um, a lot of people that we've seen before, like Nathan Fillion and Kevin Conroy doing small cameo roles and then some newer actors coming in and taking over the the big characters that we know and love. So I got a kick out of that. And I'm really looking forward to the next DC Animated, which they have a little sneak peek on this one, just like they do on all of them, uh, which is going to be Another Justice League movie, like I said, they have to have a Justice League. They can't just have one character. It's going to be called Justice League War, which is the first story arc of the new Justice League uh, book that's currently out right now. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. But this one, Flashpoint Paradox, I give it my highest recommendation, and I'm going to let Mr. Mark Vibbert take a look at it a little bit later. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I've heard how how... Good this one is and it's definitely the most like adult feature that they've put out so far. Oh yeah.
4: It's very dark.
0: Very hard PG-13. Yeah. Uh so probably won't let Patrick watch that. Yeah. Um but yeah, what's kind of funny is that it seems like Marvel is like really focusing on like all their live action films and stuff like that. And and those are all awesome as they're coming out. And they haven't really done any other animated features since the the Thor Tales of Asgard one a few years ago. Yeah. But, like, DC is, you know, like, really focusing on their animation stuff and not really doing that well with their <laughs> films, where, like, you know, Man of still kind of got a mixed reaction. Green Lantern, pretty much everybody hated Even Even Ralph, who loves Green Lantern, didn't like the, the movie that much. Um, and, I mean, even the announcement of the Batman Superman m- movie, which you would assume everybody would think is awesome, is getting a mixed reaction, too, because... Of, Like, not – I don't know, people – that's too much of a segue, but uh, you know what I mean. Like, we're – like DC has been doing these films really well. They're, They're animated films. Like you said, it does kind of stink that they only focus on Superman, Batman, or the Justice League. And, I mean, they've done two Green Lantern and one Wonder Woman, but it would be nice if they, you know, did branch off and, you know, were confident in their other characters like The Flash
4: or, and I'm sad that they don't do the little shorts that they used to. They oh, yeah. would put a little short and it would be like um, Jonah Hex or Green Arrow. It would oh, yeah. just be these, you know, the lesser known or less popular characters. Just give them a 10 minute short and I'd be happy on each one of these. I was really disappointed when they stopped doing those because I, I liked every one of those.
3: Definitely. Uh, I'd like to grab your segue real quick and talk about. Uh, um, that, that, Another writer and I talk about this, writer who a couple of you might know, but um, The Flash is actually going to be a character on the new Arrow or on, a new character on Ooh. Arrow, season two, um, spinning off into his own series. And they've already announced that he was going to, his movie was going to be the bridge movie between the Batman, Superman, and JLA, or whatever they're going to call it. Um, but you were talking about how Warner Brothers kind of seems to, like, fumble these ideas and try to shoehorn everything into Superman or Batman... Um, there's a big upswell going on right now that I'm noticing about the the title of the new movie being Superman versus Batman, with no exposition as to why they're fighting each other. This is you know a new Superman we just met, and we don't know what Batman we're going to get. It's not going to be John Blake. Um, it's going to be Bruce Wayne, but the Bruce Wayne that we all know is either you know, last last scene wearing nipples or um, was blown up over, you know, the Hudson Bay or whatever it's called in Gotham City. Um, so I think DC is kind of fumbling on that one. But um, the TV version, the TV unit of Warner Brothers in DC seems to be really uh, popping. You, you may not use any of this because it's a long segue, and I'm sorry about that. Okay. But um, I'm really pumped about uh, Arrow's my favorite show on TV right now. Oh, man. The fact that Flash is uh, Barry Allen is going to be a character this season, and then get his own series next year or you know coming up. Um, I'm taking Justin's a big Flash fan. It's it's exciting news for comic book and DC fans because um, the Arrow people are doing everything right. That, that show is just hitting on all cylinders every week, um, and then you know the movies like Green Lantern, which was just god awful, um, are, aren't. Though I loved *Man of Steel*, um, you know, *Green Lantern* just left bad taste in my mouth. But that was my—that uh, was those my two words on the subway. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> but, Yeah.
0: So I—I I guess each each studio is is thriving in different capacities and different mediums, whether it be animation, television, or film. So. Uh, yeah, I mean that. Those are our recommendations for the week. Right, we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic for the week, going over the animation fascination history because this is our fiftieth episode. So we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic. Back with our main topic for the week so this is our 50th episode starting out right here i just kind of wanted to go do like a round table kind of thing with each of you guys and kind of ask you what originally fascinated you about animation uh go around and everybody give us kind of like your story of why you like animation so much
5: hi guys uh my name's phil i guess my animation fascination would be everything to do with animation um i loved it as a kid um, as a lot of you have probably said, I started watching Disney films when I was younger um, and then got immersed in every kind of animation that was out there, every Warner Brothers cartoon. Um, but the real thing that fascinated me with animation was always the process. Um, I couldn't... I was just astounded by how people were bringing these drawings to life and how these characters had uh, had little lives of their own. And so as I grew older, you know, my, my my interest in it grew deeper. Um, And it wasn't until really Pixar started making films that I started to study the process. Um, I had some friends that were doing animation at university so I had access to the uh, technology they were using. And so got a taste of it then. Unfortunately, I left college quite early to go and work abroad. Um, So it wasn't until I came back that I wanted to take it up again. Um, and so, in the last four years, I've gone back to university to study it. Uh, graduated in September, um, and I'm currently looking for work as an animator, which is which has always been my dream. So I'm kind of where I wanted to be, which is nice.
6: Very cool. Stanford. What fascinated me originally about animation was, I think, books. Believe it or not, my parents uh, raised me on a steady diet of reading, and we had. A lot of great Disney books. And they were Disney storybooks. I think most of them were printed. They were like golden books or some of those big golden books. But the ones I remember the most were Peter Pan and Bambi and Cinderella and those ones uh, uh, around an animated feature. And I just remember absolutely loving them. And then they'd always take me to go see the uh, Disney films. Because back in the day, they were released in theaters every – or re-released in theaters every seven years. So we'd go see them in the theaters, and then, of course, the home video revolution happened, and, and then we'd watch them at home. So uh, I have my parents to thank for, for uh, leading me in, in these good ways of, of, of appreciating the uh, beautiful art and storytelling of animation, particularly uh, the, the Disney animated motion picture. A couple of things really stand out. Speaking of, of Peter Pan, I, I I remember seeing a re-release of Peter Pan in the theater and just thinking it was about the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And then I also remember going to see one of Snow White and it scared the crap out of me. But I, I think I was still fascinated by colorful, moving images of it. And Probably wasn't completely aware of what was happening to me, but just absolutely loved looking at at the artwork and also just about how everything made me feel, from the music to the um, images to the thematic elements of it. And then probably in 1990, when Beauty and the Beast was released, I saw that opening weekend. I Just was absolutely floored by it, and just realizing that animation was back in full form again. I had loved *The Little Mermaid*. I even liked, you know, *Oliver and Company* and *The Great Mouse Detective* too, from the late '80s. But I think it was after seeing *Beauty and the Beast* that just the happy realization that that animation was in feature animation was in good hands again at Disney, and that and that they really knew what they were doing. I just can't remember being more uh, impacted by a film to that point than uh, than seeing *Beauty and the Beast* on the big screen. And then Aladdin showed up, and, you know, holy cow, that thing was absolutely fantastic. And I probably can't even count how many times I saw that in its opening run, and uh, how much I love that. And then I'm, I'm with Mark, we need to get Aladdin on, on Blu-ray, so hopefully Disney will, will make that come true for us. Uh, I'm also a big fan of TV animation, too. I, I loved watching Saturday morning cartoons, not wanting to age myself, but that was really... That was a fun thing of my childhood. Is that that's when that was our big cartoon consumption day. It was Saturday morning, so we'd get a bowl of cereal and watch uh, all those Hanna Barbera cartoons and a bunch of different things, and Super Friends and all sorts of stuff that were um, not so much that the art was great, but they were sure fun. And it's it's uh, it's sentimental to to think back on that, and also interesting to think about how. The consumption habits have changed so much today and how you can pretty much get cartoons uh, on tv 24 7 if you want which is a good thing i like it then the next big thing that i i remember was in 1995 seeing toy story on the big screen and i just couldn't believe how unbelievably cool that was said a feature-length film was was done by computer and how good it looked for the time and what a fun story it was and how much i could relate to it and and just absolutely bowled over by the uh, magicians at Pixar, what they had created. Uh, thankfully to say that that, that really continues for me. I'm always excited to go see the next Pixar film. And also can't wait to see what uh, Disney's coming up with as well. I think I think Disney's back on track, thankfully, again. And there's just a lot of great animation in our future. Very cool, sir.
4: Animation is magic. That is what I love about it. There's so many things that you can do in the medium of animation that you can't do in other mediums. And there's no budget that restrictions that you can have. There's no, there's nothing that limits you in animation. It's only your mind, your your imagination that limits you in animation. So it's something that has fascinated me since, you know, a young age. And that's, something that we're introduced to in our culture as, okay, animation is for kids. This is for uh, young people. And and you're supposed to leave it behind once you, you know, once you uh, grow older and get into maturity. But I think it's something that should, should not be limited to uh, the childhood years. It, it should be something that we can all cherish throughout our time. And there's animation that's for children, there's animation that's for adults. So animation can be for anyone, as we've discussed many times on this podcast, and that's why this podcast exists. So that's, for me, the reason I love animation is just there's no limits to it, and there's anything. And also just the different art styles that you get out of animation. It's something that you can have a completely different look uh, then you know, from one animated movie to another, it can be a completely different style of animation. Um, there's so many things within animation. We talk about you know claymation, stop motion, computer generated, hand drawn. All of these forms are are interesting. As well as within each one of those forms, there's different art styles between those two, between one artist to another. Um, it's kind of my love of comic books is kind of the same way of of. You can do so many things in that medium and, and it can you can have so many styles and you're not limited by your your um, your budget like I said,' we're where in a live action you are a lot of times. so that's what I love about animation and that's really my my love of of animation and, and wanting to share it with everyone is why I wanted to be involved with this podcast. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So I guess that's my turn now
2: yeah yeah, follow that up. Oh
1: jeez Justin <laughs> well like you said you know animation is you know it's un you know it's not limited I think I, I had a quote uh, back when I was in college and it was from Kandinsky I think and it was says art is you know art is never finished because art is free you know you can do whatever you you want with it because it is art um, but um, you know animation, fascination for me started you know way back you know when I was drawing you know like on my textbooks and you know in school when I you know how you like flip the pages and just like a little flip book I would draw like maybe like the clock or something or just some you know something weird on like the corners of my textbooks and it you know it's just the the effect of something visual like coming to life is just it's awesome it's cool and it's it's creative and being creative is you know something I really enjoy and you know that's why I do what I do today and it's you know um, the whole story behind you know me coming into the animation industry was, you know, I like to be creative and, you know, I used to skateboard and, you know, skate, you know, skateboarding for me was a really creative sport where you invented things and you did, you know, you were free to do whatever you wanted to. And, you know, during those times when I used to skateboard, I used to injure myself a lot, (laughs) Uh, you know, to the point where I would be in a cast, sitting in a chair, wondering what the heck to do. And I Remember, you know, I turned to video games because I just I love the visuals and just, you know, uh, you know, the animation coming at you was just, you know, awesome. And the one that really stood out for me was Diablo. Diablo 2. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. That was a huge addiction for me. And what happened was, you know, I used to go on trading forums and, uh, you know, I was always the graphical one where I would create like a little signature at the bottom of my forum posts. And, uh, from there it kind of sparked, you know, my, you know, I've always had that creative spark, but it kind of sparked an interest in like Photoshop. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started seeing these animated signatures and I was like, holy cow, that's cool. So I just, I started making these like little animated signatures, you know, I taught it all myself. And then, you know, when I was in college, I was I was actually in a completely different major and I was doing uh, CAD cam technologies and I I was creating some animation, but it was more uh, mechanical based. And it was like machine parts moving, you know, because I was doing a lot of 3D. And then, you know, when I really wasn't liking that too much because it was always like you have to make this part exactly like you want it to. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to make Something for myself, just something creative. So then I, I uh, joined the computer art and design major, and I just it took off from there. Like you know, designing, um, you know, doing your own work, creating this 3D, making animation for myself, and not having someone say you need to make this part. Well, I was creating whatever I wanted to. I was creating my own characters. I was making them move, and just seeing the result of, you know, my hard work and the animation, just the cool visuals was just so exciting to me. You know, I went on and I did more, uh, uh, you know, I did a digital media. My next major was digital media and animation, and from there I was just like, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, Fisher-Price came to uh, out my college, actually, and I showed them my senior thesis, and they were like, well, you know what, I think we can use you, and I started doing... Um my first job at Fisher-Price, I was doing storyboards for animated films, for animated short animated films. And from there I was like, you know what, I can do this for a living. And I've done – I've worked on so many different projects at Fisher-Price. I love doing it and I always love just seeing, you know, what I've accomplished and seeing those moving, you know, the moving images coming at you and just how cool it looks and how, you know – your imagination just comes to life. Oh. That animation fascination. All Take right. that, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah!
0: Now from one Matt to the next Matt. Well, no, it's tough for me. I think a
2: lot of the, the love for animation is tied up in memories. One of the earliest memories I have is being four years old. My mom waking me up probably like five, six in the morning. I've got these, in retrospect, ridiculous Mickey Mouse pajamas on. They were awful colors. I mean, it was like 84, so of course they were awful colors. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, waking me up and making me go turn on the TV. You know, I think there were still only like 10 channels back then. But she uh, tells me to turn to a certain channel. And for the first time in my life, we had the Disney Channel. You know, it was obviously something that I was aware of that existed, but I didn't have it. I'm sure some uh, some family that we knew was, that was much better off had it.
0: I but had just back when you had to pay for the Disney Channel.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I guess you don't even have to pay for the Disney Channel anymore. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um it's crazy, like, nearly thirty years later, how I can still remember that excitement and that joy of of having that. And I feel like you would probably be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have some some sort of amazing memory tied to something that's animated in their life, whether it be a Disney movie or The way that Saturday morning cartoons gave you something to look forward to. It was a reason to wake up early on a Saturday. Um, It was something to talk about with your friends, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and then more than anything, lots of animations that have influenced my life, but uh, the Simpsons hands down totally groomed me into the person that I am. It was, you know, it's, you know, back then, you know, it got a bad rap, you know, like teaching kids to be underachievers and Bart Simpson's the devil, stuff like that. But that show has to this day, you know, people hate on it. But nowadays, but still has more heart than just about any sitcom that's ever aired, but also made me a smarter person and a wittier person. Like it taught me comedic time. It taught me. References. It made, you know, like, yeah, it shows the power of animation that I think people overlook as just like, oh, it's a cartoon. But like, as Justin said earlier, you know, uh, with animation, things are endless. And I feel like that is a good example of not just how animation can, it can be whatever, but it can also inspire you in ways that
3: on the surface it might not seem that way. Definitely. <clears throat> okay, try to follow that one up. Steven Spielberg once said that film was the literature of his life. Um, to me, animation cartoons are the literature of my life. Um, I grew up in an era, I might be the oldest one here actually. I grew up in an era where um, Saturday morning cartoons ruled my life and then afternoon cartoons, you know, kept me going. Um, I, in my baby book for my second and third birthday, my mother wrote in there that I got underdog pajamas. Um, I've been watching some form of animated cartoons most of my life. Um, my entire life has revolved around Bullwinkle and the Jay Ward Studio characters. I have tattoos. Um, my persona on my video games is based on Bullwinkle, um, You know, Growing up in the, the 80s, um, I had I'd come home from school to watch G.I. Joe and Transformers, and all of the commercially driven cartoons that uh, caused an entire shift in the industry. Um, these were episodic tales of, um, you know, just grand storytelling of G.I. Joe versus Cobra, and you know Autobots versus Decepticons, and, and whatever good guy faction versus whatever bad guy faction, and, and I learned good versus evil that way. Um, now, at 40, I'm a professional writer, and it's because of the stories that were told to me and that I watched growing up. Um, animated form more so than anything else. I watched a lot of TV, but um, it was the animation and, you know, the masters, you know, Flint Dill, the the masters of the people doing it back then, um, just top of their game. Mel Blanc, big influence on me, Um, all the old Looney Tunes characters, big influences, and they shaped me who I am now. And so here I am at 40 being able to write for a website like, you know, Animes and Fascination, sit here and talk on a podcast, you know, with with these guys, um, with you guys. It, uh, it, it's a culmination of, of an entire life of just being surrounded and, and, and engulfed in this um, world of color and motion and storytelling that, uh, that's really just kind of shaped me. So um, that's where my fascination comes from. Um, you know, my first Disney movie I ever saw in a the theater was actually Aladdin. Um, I will take that back. I did see Cinderella on a re-release in the 80s, but um it, not so much with the the cinematic animation animated features, but you know, the TV animated features or TV shows, um especially Saturday mornings and afternoons, um weekday afternoons that was a big big deal and uh very influential to me as a person.
0: Yeah, I get to follow all you guys. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of did that by design. Don't screw it up. So, much like all of you guys, I, I grew up with an, animation, and basically that's been my entire life. My my helping helping that were my, my grandma. Uh, anytime a new Disney movie came out on VHS, she would buy it for me and my sister to watch. Uh, my grandpa was a an awesome artist, so, like, that got me into that visual part of it, where just watching him draw. Like I still have a drawing that he did of me, of not of me for me, of of Mickey in a like a, a rocket ship, way back when I was like six or seven. That's now hanging in my my son Patrick's room. So, and then I just I, through the years, uh, like Hardman watched The Simpsons. I had a little Bart doll, because you can still see it in old home videos of me waving in front of the camera and playing with it, uh, to, like, drag my mom to go see the South Park movie with me and one of my friends. And just, like, now uh, that I loved it so much that I started this podcast way back when, in 2011, with with Justin, when we kind of did, like, a backdoor pilot of it uh, for a different Uh, website and podcast uh where we talked about pixar which has really kind of driven my love of animation over the past many years now and like that that first episode that we did really made me want to like segue that off and do this show as like its own thing uh and i I don't know. I thought the name "Animation Fascination" sounded cool because it rhymed, Um, (laughs) but and I don't know. I thought it was clever, but I I liked I liked that I get to do this show with you guys and talk about it and have a place to kind of nerd be nerdy about animation and you know not have to worry about like if anybody is like you know judging me for liking watching cartoons. No matter what age we are, I mean I think Matt is the youngest by a few months and then, and then and then myself and then Justin and then Hardman and then John but uh, we can all come together no matter what age we are because of our love for this medium and i've, I've other people have probably said it but i heard Andrew Statton, like you know he gets adamant about it say that animation isn't a genre because it can be any genre it's it's a different just a different medium Storytelling, so it can be animation, can be a comedy, it can be drama, it can be horror, it can be a romantic comedy, you can sci-fi or anything you want it to be. So it's, I think it's even more escapism than a live-action film because you truly can do anything in your imagination with with animation. So I, I like that and the fact that I can now pass on my love for animation to my son and. Have him watch these old films or old shows that I watched, and hopefully, have him do the same thing later in his life. So, I'm glad that animation exists. I'm glad that it has given uh, Matt Quest a, a career in it, and that it can, you know, just give us all that kind of basically give us uh, like in a, a thing to just kind of sit there, be in our, our, our own world, and. Something that makes us happy when we watch it, and no matter what, so that's why I like animation. And I don't know if you guys could could hear it in my throat, but I was, I'm getting I'm a sensitive guy. A choked up. Yeah, I'm a sensitive guy. So you, yeah, you can kind of hear me maybe start to get a little dusty in the room. So yeah, uh, that's my animation fascination. Uh, so so going from there. Uh, like I kind of talked about the beginning way back when uh, the first episode we did, we talked about Tangled uh, with our Justin and I talked with our, our friend Brett Nachman about that. And then uh, Matt came in with our first interview that we did with Chris Chua from Pixar uh, and just all the, the different guest hosts we've had on. Like, I'm just going to rattle them off really quick and then if I forgot anybody, sorry if you've been on. Uh, Brian Sauer, Brett Nachman, Tim Buell, Wonder Rob, uh, Ralph Apple, the Rotoscopers, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason, TJ and Julie from the Pixar Post, Josh Spiegel from Masterpiece Cinema, Rudy Obias, Nathan Sawyer, Corey Armstrong, Tim Costello, Jonathan Morris, and George Underwood. So thank all of you guys for coming on and, you know, helping us out at different points, talking whether it be about the Nicktoons or the Disney Renaissance. Era, or uh, recently Justin Matt and I talked about the Disney afternoon or just just anything that we, we've talked about and then and the thing I can say for the interviews on here is that if you guys ever want to have someone on your show Twitter is like the best thing that kind of exists for something like that is because pretty much all these people that we've interviewed on the shore at one point or another I've just sent them a uh, Twitter request saying that, that we were fans of them and we would like to have them on the show. Would you like to come on? And we either got a yes or a no. Uh, I mean, some people I've asked and they've said yes, and we still haven't had them on yet because they're still scheduling that. But, I mean, th- I have to thank Twitter for that for all the people that we have had on. And Again, this is going to be a list really quick. Uh, Chris Chua, Austin Addison, Jason Marsden, uh, the Pizza Planet truck crew, uh, Live-action Toy Story guys, uh, Jonathan and Jesse, Hal Hickel, Drake Bell, Dern Butters, Bill Farmer, uh, Goofy, Alex Mandel, Cal Brunker, Eric Ely, Tara Platt, Yuri Lewenthal, and uh, the fact that P- that Phil got to talk to Peter Lord. I mean, I mean, I got to meet him last year when I went to a screening, but that, that was even cool that he, that he got to interview him for a show, and I'm glad we've had the opportunity to talk with all these people because if we didn't have the podcast you know we'd uh, probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to these different people that we have geeked out about or listened to do voices on something once once another like matt you remember when we were were interviewing bill farmer like how i started laughing just after when he was doing his goofy voice
1: yeah i mean that was you know one of our truly memorable Moments when we had Bill Farmer on thats that was definitely a favorite for me. And, you know, just to hear that, you know, iconic voice come over, you're like, what is happening? (laughs) So, yeah, it was definitely some special episodes.
0: Definitely. So, and with with all we talked about, we still have so much more we can do on the show and we have all, all more to come. So to kind of close the show today, we're going to do some trivia. Uh, I guess I felt it was kind of equal because none of us are truly experts in this film. So without further ado, we're going to do some trivia about Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Justin is our moderator. Uh, Matt Quest and I will be on one team. And then Matt Hardiman and John will be on the other team.
1: Okay, and ground rules, whoever has the wiki up right now, turn click that tab <laughs> off.
0: And And also turn the the IMDb trivia page off, too.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) See? We'll we'll, we'll be going on
3: the honor system. This should have been totally random, so no one could do Wikipedia. All you you do is read this page, and you're primed for it. If it was completely random, Justin could pull something out of his hat or off a card or something, and we'd have to know to answer it. It'll be okay.
0: uh, Justin did multiple choice, too, so it'll it'll be easier than coming up with the... The questions out of our butts.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Matt Hartman, I apologize. I I yeah. Hey
2: man, I tried to keep it honest. I was actually uh, I was gonna try and at least watch the movie last night, but I didn't get a chance to. So I haven't I haven't seen any links. Uh this is good cold off of I think the last time I watched it whenever the Blu ray came out. So <laughs>
3: we're gonna win is what I'm saying. <laughs> haven't seen the movie since nineteen eighty nine, maybe, so yeah, this is uh
0: I haven't watched it in a while either, so <laughs> Together we should be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's, it's seven questions uh and then let's do like a uh 10 second time limit on maybe, no let's 15 seconds all right. All okay. right. So, without further ado.
4: So, Mark Vibert has a connection to most of the dwarves as uh most of them have beards but there is one dwarf that does not have a beard. Um, I will give three multiple-choice possibilities to which dwarf does not have a beard. Which one is the anti viber So I will ask John. <laughs> yeah, no, I will ask it. John's oh. team first. Okay. Ooh. I so know the,
3: the answer. to th- That
2: one. Yeah, I know. The, yeah, we know the answer. Oh, okay.
4: You guys know already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, out of the choices, we have uh, Mark... Also, uh, the Mark Vibbert of the the bunch. Grumpy, that's number one. You son of a bitch. Uh, happy? <laughs> or Dopey? Uh, dopey. So, uh, real quick, Mark, do, do I... Do I ask your team next or? Yeah. Okay. So, Mark, um, do you pick yourself, Grumpy?
0: Oh, well, no, they they just answered.
4: Oh, okay. So it's whoever answers first, is that
0: Yeah. It? And then okay. just tally that down as one of their.
4: Wait, so uh. we lose?
0: No. <laughs> there's, there's seven questions. So, so whoever's got four maybe like of them right out of the seven will be the person who wins.
4: All right, well, I that see. was correct. Dopey, Dopey is the only dwarf that does not have a beard. So John's team gets the first point.
3: It's Hardman's team. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's carrying it, <laughs> I'll put
2: you in my beard. <laughs> it. It's a little end.
4: <laughs> okay. So uh, also, uh, before we go to the next question, I did want to point out, as I was doing my research, I did notice uh, another connection that Mark Vivert has to Grumpy is the line uh, out of the movie, no one will ever make me wash if I don't want to. That is said by both Mark Vivert and Grumpy. We'll put that down as well. Okay.
2: Character assassination by Justin Vector.
4: <laughs> Next question. To whom... Does the evil queen address her question, "Who's the fairest of them all"? Was she was she asking this question to Snow White, an enchanted iPhone, or a magical mirror?
0: Ma-
3: magical mirror.
1: Da-da-da-ding. Mirror. My final answer.
3: That is correct. Woo! No, are we alternating? Is that what's happening here? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's one to
2: it's, one. Cool. We don't get sl-
4: it right. You guys get a chance. It is <laughs> tied at one. Next question. What does the Queen ask the huntsman to bring to her as proof of Snow White's death? Was it Bzzz. Oh, you know Her already. heart. It's correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, the next question. Yeah. Two.
2: Thanks, Brain.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you have the team of the Vibrant Quest. What M- animal M- does the huntsman kill instead to trick the queen into thinking that Snow White is dead? Mm, good question. Was oh. it a wild boar, a deer, or a hamster?
1: I might have one of these in my freezer right now, uh, but I believe the answer is... Deer. Deer.
4: <laughs> All right, that is incorrect.
0: No! Son of
4: a... <laughs> the,
2: the Hardiman Hubers will go with boar.
4: That is correct.
3: Yeah! <laughs> we lose!
0: No, we, we still...
3: It's not over yet. <laughs> Three next to one.
4: Qu- next question. So Snow White lives with seven dwarves who keep her safe, seven dwarves. In the Disney version, they all have names. Can you name all seven dwarves? This one is not multiple choice.
1: Mm. Oh. I can name four. So wait, does this go out for anybody? Oh wait, okay, it's it's
2: our team. Okay. I forgot that we answered you guys' question. Sorry.
0: Remember, you have um, you have fifteen seconds. Oh man. <laughs> okay,
2: go with your four, John, and
0: I'll if I'll
2: see if I can think of the rest of it. grumpy, sleepy, dopey, doc, bashful, um, sneezy, and one more. Okay, let's look. At all the grumpy. <laughs> Bat, the ones that we've said: grumpy, bashful, dopey, sneezy, doc, sleepy.
1: What's and the time, Matt? Justin? Uh, that's, that's fifteen seconds. That's it. yeah,
0: you're past.
4: All right, so you can the team of quests... and do Vibbert... 15
0: seconds <laughs> I told you fifteen seconds at the beginning.
4: We got sixteen seconds. Them. seven nice. names.
5: <laughs> a choice. <laughs> yeah, and the two in two seconds. A movie that came out like
3: 90 years ago?
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> all right, Mark, still. Now you
0: just got to Get know. Them you know happy, dopey, grumpy, stuff. doc, sleepy, bashful, sneezy.
6: Happy. <laughs> <laughs> you we can't win. steal that one. We gave you all
3: the answers. You didn't say happy. <laughs> we gave you the other six. <laughs>
4: and speaking of six, we are on to the sixth question.
2: What's the score?
4: What's the score? Right now, the team, the team is the team of John and Matt has three. The team of Mark and Matt has two.
3: It's HH versus (laughs) MM.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, the as we stated earlier, the seven Vibberts often (laughs) occupy themselves during the day uh, while they are away. What is the occupation of the dwarves? Are they hunters? Are they miners? Or are they gardeners?
0: Is this our question now because we stole a question from them? Yeah, it's yours. Yeah. So what were the answers again?
4: This is hunters? Miners or gardener? Miners. Is correct. Uh,
0: That is correct.
1: (laughs) Miners.
2: Tie Tie game. Hi ho. Hi ho.
1: Oh this is this is a good game actually. We got tiebreaker coming up, Justin. What is it?
4: Where do the dwarves put Snow White when they find her dead?
2: You mean like the actual
0: thing or
1: is this multiple choice? Is this for everybody? What's the rules?
0: Can we we all do this at the same time? Since this is kind of a tiebreaker one.
4: Yeah. And this one there is no
0: multiple choice. The
1: other one. (laughs) The rules are stipulation to change at any moment.
0: Yeah. All right. Justin Count. Justin Countdown. The table. (laughs) It is yeah, it's the glass coffin.
1: Oh they lay on a table, right? It's, it's a glass, glass
0: coffin, coffin, Matt.
4: Glass coffin is correct.
0: Yeah.
1: Damn, it couldn't be used as a table. <laughs>
0: After. Oh, <yeah. laughs> so it, it seems that that Hardman and John have won. This is correct. Damn it, it was a close one. Uh,
1: Podcast hot, hot, John.
0: What'd you say? The podcast high five to John.
1: Yes, the podcast will now be renamed Animation Fascination by Matt Hardman, John Huber. Yeah,
3: <laughs> for the next fifty episodes.
1: <laughs> the next fifty episodes. <laughs>
3: I didn't know that's Until, what we were playing for. <laughs> Until we reclaim our title in
1: 2016.
6: <laughs> Jeez,
0: but yeah, that so that's our trivia for our, our <laughs> nice little fiftieth episode uh hope you guys enjoyed that uh uh so don't forget you guys can follow us individually on twitter i'm at mark Weber, m-a-r-c-v-i-b-b-e-r-t
1: and i'm at questpact q-u-e-s-t-p-a-c-t justin where can they find you
4: i am vector which is my last name v-a-c-t-o-r and if you're interested you can also find me posting daily geek picks over at ScreenRant.com.
2: Oh, when you can't find me down at the docks, you can look me up on uh, Kappa Narcolepsy, which is really long, and I hope you can just get it phonetically. Um, I also post
3: regularly at the HD room. And uh, I'm at Woolbinkle, W-U-L-L-B-I-N-K-L-E, and I also write for HD room.
0: And then if you guys want to follow the show itself on Twitter, you can follow us at animatedpodcast. Uh, Feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com. And you can also like us on Facebook and just by searching for Animation Fascination. Uh, And like I said earlier in the show, we now have an Amazon affiliate, so if you ever want to buy anything from Amazon, go to our website, click on through that portal link, and you can help contribute to keep on our site around and whatnot. So that that's our first 50 episodes uh, had a lot of fun times with it hoping for even more awesome stuff in the next 50 episodes and more improvements to the site and podcast itself so for myself I'm Mark Fever Matt Quest and our guests Justin Vactor, Matt Hardiman, John Huber, Stanford Clark and Phil Shen thank you guys for listening and make sure to tune in again next time guys. Later
1: Woo! 50, 50, 50, 50. I'll take it in, but don't look
5: down. Cause I'm on top of the world, eh? I'm on top of the world, hey. Eh? waiting on this for a while now. Paying my dues to the dirt. I've been waiting to smile, hey. Eh? The whole name- Tried to cut these I don't want to cheapen your your show. <laughs> oh, I want to cheapen it. That's fine. <laughs> no, I want to see that. It's cool. It's fine. Justin.
1: My buddy has his mic off. Hello. He's not even there. Okay. Skip. Justin. Robin Hood. Go. Oodalali.
4: I really love the wizard battle in Robin Hood. It was amazing.
6: <laughs> I'd be happy to. I just don't want to bore everybody to death. <laughs> Is he eating
1: the microphone?
6: I don't know. His heart just failed? Is he dead?
1: Well Oliver and Company.
3: Someone likes to pound on a keyboard. <laughs> Tallying up <laughs> yesterday's
6: sales.
4: Did you say me? Yes. <laughs>
0: Our past fifties fifty. No, no. Yay. <laughs>
3: 50th I'm real happy the way it just came out. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm That's what my to, mom uh, said.
6: <laughs> it's,
3: Wait. I
0: don't I'm know if we're to, we're all laughing about the same thing.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember about half of these podcasts that we've done.
6: <laughs> I want to just say congratulations to Mark and Matt on this 50th episode what a fantastic milestone and here's to 50 and many many more thanks
5: is that right for you do you need more